Welcome to the Intelligence Download, a podcast from BAE Systems. I'm Sital Shah, the Product Marketing Manager for our Insurance Counterfraud Solution. Today, we're discussing some of the global trends that are affecting insurers in the fight against fraud. I'm joined by Kate Wright and Dennis Toomey, who are both responsible for the Global Insurance Product Roadmap here at BA Systems. Thank you for your time today, Kate and Dennis. Hi, thank you. Before we begin, would you both mind providing a brief overview of your background in the insurance sector? You've both had careers that have spanned, you know, insurers and so forth for a number of years. It'd just be nice to get a sort of feel for, for what you guys have done. Yes, so hi, I'm Kate. Um, I've been in the insurance industry for about the last 14, 15 years, um, predominantly in counter-fraud roles in the UK industry, Uh, starting off in large insurers such as Allianz and Zurich, um, moving on to implementing counter-fraud solutions for large brokers, and more recently, head of fraud for GoCompare.com, which is one of the biggest aggregators in the UK, and I'm very pleased to have joined BAE in the last four months and excited to progress from there. Yeah, so I'm Dennis Toomey. I've been in the industry for about 27 years now. Started out with uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, heading up their special investigation unit. And then I went into um, the data aggregator market, which LexisNexis worked there for about five years. And then from there, I wanted to get more into the analytics. So I went into um, SAS, worked at SAS in the security intelligence practice. Went to work for IBM for a short period of time and most recently with Accenture. I've been with BAE Systems now for since October, about four months, just like you, Kate. Yeah. Brilliant. So a a wealth of experience that I've got in front of me today. Um, So just to get us started, uh, fraud in the PNC insurance space isn't something new, right? There's there's trends that are going on uh, that we're seeing, you know, um, fraud moving from different regions and and different MOs. what do you say are the sort of key drivers and how is that different between the UK and US, US markets in fraud? So I think one of the key differences between the UK and the US market, and please stop me if I'm wrong, Dennis, is the the digital transformation piece that is quite prominent in the UK. Um, It's quite obviously happening at a great pace. The UK have been using the likes of insurance aggregators, which are online aggregators for purchase insurance. They've been um, in the UK market for about 10 years now. This is something that's relatively new in the US market and still gaining pace and that that digital transformation isn't happening as quickly. Uh, from a from a counter fraud perspective, the challenges mean that it's slightly different in the UK. The, the speed of reaction and the way they have to deal with counter fraud is a lot faster, um, meaning that the processes are, are quite different between the two regions. Yeah, so I think you're saying that in the UK, they're identifying fraud before it comes in the door. So they've matured and they're moving the fraud detection up to the underwriting and point of sale type place mm-hmm. through the use of aggregators and brokers. Yeah, that's right. In the US, um, it's a lot of direct sales and a lot of independent agents. We don't use the brokers as much as they do in the UK. Um, so I think that is that is a big difference. I do think we're going through some digital transformation, quite quite a lot of digital transformation, and I do think that's driving the way that we are um, handling fraud, investigating fraud, and um, detecting fraud as well. Yeah. So you just touched upon some changes that are taking place in terms of handling fraud and detecting fraud. Um, what are, what are the sort of things that insurers are doing to adjusting to to kind of weed out the fraud that's happening in this, this sort of landscape. 
Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah, you can go in. Yeah, so I, I think in the U.S. we're really a... The biggest problem is the medical fraud, the personal injury protection type coverages, you know, and that, that's one of the big differences between what's going on in the UK and what's in the US is the actual coverages. So there's um, a, a typical policy could have comprehensive collision, personal injury protection, bodily injury, you know, those are the different types of coverages. And every time there's a claim, it's driven from that. But in the US, we're seeing um, a large amount of fraud coming from those personal injury protection so it's organized medical fraud that we're really um, it's driving the way that we're investigating fraud and it's it's the biggest impact in my mind right now with what's going on in the U.S. Which is I mean a significant difference to the sort of challenges that we have in the U.K. just around your your medical insurance model that we just aren't affected by in the same way in the U.K. So so from your point um, Kate is there anything else that's sort of changing the insurers are doing to change uh, with the fraud that's that's yes yeah, so I, th I think um insurers globally are generally having to learn to react a lot faster the opportunities in the market are ever growing be that through a change in regulation or a change in legislation or digital transformation like we've touched on new types of insurance cyber insurance for example there's there's always new opportunities for fraud and i think the global insurance industry are identifying now that you need to be on the forefront of this we we can't be reactive anymore we have to be proactive the the technology that's put in place needs to be appropriate to deal with forthcoming problems not just the problems we see today but the problems we're potentially going to see tomorrow such as automated vehicles we, we need to start thinking about that now and this is one of the biggest challenges in the industry at the moment and the biggest trends is to start looking forwards instead of just reacting to what's happening now are you do you think that straight through processing is driving the way um, insurers in the uk are are detecting fraud or looking to find fraud or is it causing challenges i think challenges is probably fair. I think the way you detect fraud isn't changed because of the straight through processing. I think the challenges are affected in the the speed and the process in which they have to go about this. If if you're expected to pay a claim in a matter of minutes, that's great for a customer, but to try and identify a high-risk claim or a high-risk customer in that matter of minutes, it is incredibly challenging for special investigation units, for example. You you don't want to impact that customer journey by taking too long. Um, so the challenge comes in making a fast decision and making a very, very accurate decision as well. Yeah, and I think that that's a good point. So one of the things that I'm really worried about is the straight-through process, and I think the fraudsters are... Um, smart enough to understand what the threshold is and they're going to try and reach what that threshold is to get it through straight through process and, and then the velocity of which they're going to attack insurance companies is going to increase once they identify that threshold. So, And, it, and that's something that a really robust technology analytic system can help with that but I think it's, a, it's an interesting um, you know, customers, carriers are going towards, you know, we want to pay the customers faster. We want touchless claims. We want the straight through process. And it's the way that we're going to keep our customers from moving on. So, yeah, and that, that that's really interesting. So that that ability to identify what that fraudster is going to do, where are the thresholds? Have they identified what our thresholds are? And that's hugely where something like machine learning can help and come in that that learnt behavior and ensuring that we are we are feeding our analytics and our solutions the right information to allow that machine learning process to to work and help us identify these thresholds and identify these opportunities it's 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 really network analytics right mm -hmm. so it's taking a 360 degree view of the customer and knowing who the customer is 
so they can do the straight processing because the fraudsters are becoming more organized. So I just think we need to figure out, are they transnational or not transnational? Are you seeing trends here, organized fraud trends here? Are they, you know what I mean? So it's really interesting how you're talking about some of the technologies and things that insurers can start to use. Do you think that they're the same technologies that you would apply to what is soft fraud, hard fraud, or opportunistic fraud versus organized fraud? Because, you know, in that straight through processing world, as you mentioned, Kate, you need to make those decisions really fast. How do you think the technology can then support weeding out, you know, organized, go in there knowing that they want to do bad versus somebody who's who's perhaps doing a little bit of a claim that's more than what they... I think from my perspective and, and the, the time I've had looking at both, they're, they're very different behaviours. They're, they're different categories of people. They're different profiles of people. And I think one of the key ways to differentiate that is between what what prevention has an impact towards opportunistic fraud and someone who isn't a criminal at heart they they would never walk into a shop and steal a candy bar or steal a chocolate bar um, but they will defraud their insurance company from an opportunistic perspective that that's just a normal person who sees an opportunity to defraud a company they have very little empathy or sympathy for the organized fraudsters there's not much you can do to prevent that so the first person i touched on around opportunistic fraud if you put a message on a website that says we are watching we are checking the information that you're giving us it'll make that person think twice that's that nudge nudge theory isn't it yeah absolutely those organized fraudsters they're not put off by that like dennis said they know our processes they're very clever that type of prevention quite simply isn't going to work they they already have a plan that they're very confident in and that it's going to be successful so okay so the organized fraud is really i think is the most difficult to identify and detect because they're organized they're being more sophisticated they're not bound by the technology they're not bound by the um, budget constraints that insurers are, are bound by and carriers have a hard time putting the resources together to identify that and then and if they do identify it it's a matter of explaining that to a prosecutor that these this is the way this claim happened or this ring happened and get a prosecutor to understand that to, in order to put the stop behind it Okay, so what you're what you both of you are saying is, you know, some of the opportunistic fraud you can prevent by putting up the wording at the front to say, you know, are you really sure on your on your policy, for example, when you're taking that out, are you really sure you're providing the right information, or when you're putting the claim through, you know, is is everything legitimate that you're you're claiming for, versus the organised, where you're kind of saying they're the really difficult ones to find. Um, and you need the technology or you need to detect that, not just sticking up a, a disclaimer at the front that's going to be you know, off-putting for them because they're, you know, they're, they're in this to make money. Um, so does that kind of line up with what you're both saying? Yeah. A little bit. I, I do think opportunistic is tough. That carriers struggle with it because they have to pay it. You know, they, a legitimate claim happened and someone's just taking advantage of that. They're exaggerating it, right? And the onus is on the insurer. The onus is on the insurer to prove the customer wrong. Um, many years ago, it was that a customer had to prove their claim. Right. Um, it, it's different now. Times have changed. And the onus is very much on the insurer to say, well, if you can't prove this otherwise, you, you need to pay this out. And, and it, it's fair and it's reasonable. And that's exactly what a good customer service is. But it does make it incredibly hard. And you have to make sure that the detection processes you have in place give you as much information as you possibly can to make sure that you have enough backing you up for either a prosecution or a repudiation of a claim. Yeah, and 
it's still a public perception that insurance fraud is a victimless crime. And it's really, it's really not. I mean, the four to $700 a year in the U.S. is added to additional property uh, policies. You know, the, the, wow. yeah, and, you know, the increase in premiums, the cost of goods sold, all of that, it, it's not a victimless crime. It's affecting the consumers and the carriers. So. And it's where the funds go. Right. Where, where the funds from this victimless crime goes, it goes into society, it goes into the other social crimes that we're all impacted by. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's a key message there and that's that's almost brings us back around to the prevention piece we were talking about. Right. Okay, so we've kind of covered off some of the prevention techniques that, that insurers can deploy. We've touched upon detection. Are there any sorts of um, best practices from, from your experience that insurers perhaps could be taking to implement and and, and sort of weed out this this negative thought. <laughs> well, I, I think if we're, if we're going to talk about best practice, and I, and I mean this in a global sense, it's data sharing. I, I think Dennis will probably agree with me yes, on this one. He's nodding at me sure. as we speak. So, I mean, data sharing is key. The, the consortium models that you see globally that allow insurers to, to share that data, share the knowledge they have of the customer, share the behaviors that they see, share the MOs that they experience is absolutely key. Um, a united front against fraud is what every industry needs, including the, the global marketplace. Um, so when we talk about best practice, I think the best thing our industry has and, and the, the greatest weapon that our industry has against fraud is, is that combined united approach. One of the best practices that I'm seeing across the, um, the globe as I travel around is the carriers that are most effective implementing a fraud detection system are not just buying the analytics. They're, they're actually thinking about change management and they're actually putting in an operational process around the change, the analytics. If they just take the analytics and they put it on an existing process, then it's probably going to fail because it's not going. They're going to get overwhelmed with the amount of alerts, and they're going to be relying on the technology just to do the work for them. There really has to be a change management process, and I think that would be the best practice that I would recommend to anybody. I totally agree, absolutely. But we're not going down the whole machines replacing people uh, message on this, are we? Because um, you know, there's a lot of that happening about machine learning, AI, it's going to take all of our jobs, blah, blah, blah. Do, do you see that that's, that's ever going to be the case? I don't think so. I think that the key thing to remember is anything like machine learning, AI that's data driven, it's only as good as the data that's put in that there's always going to be a manual element to this, um, especially when it comes to investigations, you're never going to be able to get through a um, a fraud claims process without potentially a field investigator, without that gut feel of where to look. There's always going to be a need for a person to be in charge of this. What AI and machine learning allows us to do is to just speed that process up and inform those people better. So augmenting that yeah. sort of understanding. Yeah, it's so true. A lot of times um, when, you, when you're investigating a claim, the technology is just identifying suspicious activity. You still need a person to corroborate that. Just like in any law enforcement, you can't just rely on one piece of information to determine if something's fraudulent. It's never going to replace all the investigators. It's just going to make them more efficient and um, give them the opportunity to have more fact-based investigations. Mm -hmm. So thanks, thanks for that sort of understanding in terms of you know where the role of the investigator is. Obviously, we're clearly seeing that that's quite key in, in going forward as well as having 
detection systems in place to, to kind of provide that information up front. Um, it, we've, we've talked about some of the MOs that are taking place uh, across the globe and so forth. What do you think are, you know, the, the, the biggest fraud concerns going forward in the next few years? Where, where do you think it's going? Do you want to take this one? Sure. I think uh, there's a few different things that are happening with technology that are going to um, are going to drive in some trends that are happening. I think if you think about the way the technology is advancing, the sh- ride shares is really an interesting aspect. So if you think about the application that they use, if you come and pick me up at my house, I can have another fraudulent person wait down the road and, and hammer the car so everybody in the car can be injured. Um, I was actually going to a customer. I was in an Uber, and I asked them, "Who's your insurance company?" And she she told me the insurance company. And I said, "Do they know that you do this?" And she said, "No, I'm not. They don't know that I do a rideshare. Would increase my premium. That's fraud." <laughs> so I think you know. I think we're going to start um, seeing a little bit more of that. Some crackdown on that. I think that the fraudsters are have much more technology at their exposure. They have the dark web. They have the ability to um, create identities through synthetic processes, and they have the way to hide where they are. They have the geographical boundaries they can hide behind. We don't, somebody in another country can commit fraud against um, somebody in the U.S., and there's no venue to go after them. So those are the types of things that we're, I think the industry is going to start grappling with. Um, I, I think we're seeing an, an increase in interest and an increase in active internal fraud. Um, from an internal perspective, when we talk about things like social engineering, um, the fraudster is always going to take the path of least resistance. Um, and if we put a lot of resistance in from a technology perspective through online applications and online claims, there's still opportunity through that weakest link that we have. And quite often, unfortunately, that weakest link can be somebody who works for us. It could be an employer. It could be a supplier. Um, so I think internal fraud is going to be a huge focus in the industry moving forward. I think utilizing technology to try and identify where there are weaknesses or where there's opportunities to defraud from within is certainly going to be something that's looked at very widely over the next couple of years. Yeah, we're seeing that quite a bit in the U.S. The internal fraud stories are starting to become more more prevalent. Do you think um, the convergence of cyber risk fraud are, are, are is starting to change the way carriers are doing investigations? So somebody that's going to, it could be an insider that is hacking into the system or getting information and then feeding it to somebody on the outside. So the cyber and the the fraud are starting to converge that way. And then compliance is also doing that. And the the problem is many carriers have individual silos. They don't communicate internally, making it easier for the fraudsters to do to um to take advantage of that yeah and i mean that that ties back to this opportunity right is that um uh the the companies really need to understand where these opportunities are we've talked about being reactive to being proactive when it comes to a threat like internal fraud be that through cyber be that through social engineering be that through um a misuse of authority it all comes down to opportunity and companies need to take a step back and look at their internal processes and identify those opportunities and apply ways to identify when somebody is taking advantage of those opportunities. And it all goes back to the data. They have the data and they just have to apply the enterprise solution on top of that data to identify this or make it make it at least harder for the fraudsters. Absolutely, and then align operational processes around that. 
So a nice little high five at the end for, yes. for, for both of you. So I wanted to, to thank you both for taking the time out. And I know you're, you're both grappling with colds at the moment, so um, maybe a little bit snuffly. Um, but thank you both for, for taking that time. And um, I just wanted to um, say for everyone that's listening, tune into the Intelligence Download. Don't forget you can subscribe and download future podcasts from either iTunes or from Podbean. Thank you until next time. <laughs>